Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Now, the reason why I believe the Holy Spirit led me to speak on this subject once again is because I sense in my spirit that many believers within the house of God struggle today with deep insecurities, inferiority complexes, identity crisis, deep-rooted fears, and even suicidal thoughts. Every now and again we read in the newspapers how people just decide to end their lives and commit suicide because they are unable to face the challenges of life. Now, all of these existing conditions within our psyche, or the Greek word for psyche is psyche, which is our soul, which is our emotional and intellectual being, limit our ability not only to relate to God in a manner that we should, but also relate to our fellow man. Now, that is the fundamental reason, I believe, that we struggle with relationships, as well as our ability not only to receive the love of God, but also be able to give that love away to other people. Now, the root cause of these emotional and psychological issues, I believe, is a basic misunderstanding and a lack of knowledge concerning our regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. That is why, once again, the Holy Spirit led me to teach and to emphasize the value and the importance of the miracle of our new birth and our restored identity in Christ Jesus. We need to know what really happened to us when we received Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, what really took place inside of us. We need to come to grips and have a revelation that we have been made whole new creations in Christ Jesus. That has nothing to do with our past. All of the past has been wiped away and a new species of being has been born again. We need to get to know this new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verses 16 and 17 is our foundational scriptures for our lesson today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And I encourage you to meditate on these verses of scripture, to ponder on them, and to ask the Holy Spirit to make these words life and light to your spirit and give you a fresh understanding and a revelation of your new birth. Paul talks about 
the new creation in Christ. And he says, therefore, in verse 16, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. He means that regard means to know, to be acquainted with. We do not know anyone after the flesh from now on. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. If someone were to ask you, well, the Lord Jesus visited me last night, and I had an encounter with the risen Lord, I believe the first question you would ask is not what he said to you, but what did he look like? We are so obsessed with physical and natural things. And, and, and by doing that, we neglect the spiritual side of things. And that's why Paul says we don't know anyone after the flesh anymore, or after worldly standards, what he looks like, how tall, how thin, how pretty, how handsome, uh, and all the things that have to do with a fleshly identity. We choose to know, he says, from now on and regard everyone after the Spirit. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Through the new birth, the Word of God says we were made new creations. This new creation that is living and breathing within us has been equipped by God with everything He needs and requires to live a life in abundance, to live a life in victory, and to live a life that is overcoming and has been blessed by God with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. This is the new creation that is created after the image and the likeness of God. No, in fact, another translation says this new creation is a new species of being that has never existed before. You need to know that in Christ you are complete. You lack nothing. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. We need to have a revelation that as new creations in Christ, we have been equipped by God with everything we need to live a life of godliness that is pleasing to God. Not only that, but the Bible says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Now, please don't be thrown off by the phrase spiritual blessings. All natural all physical blessings have their root and their origin in the spirit. They flow out of the spiritual world into the natural because the giver of these blessings is a spirit being. Jesus said, God is a spirit. So don't be thrown off by spiritual blessings thinking that, well, we cannot see them, we cannot experience them. All natural, all physical blessings have their origin in the realm of the Spirit and they flow out of the spiritual world into the natural world. In fact, the Bible says that the spiritual world 
is the parent of this physical natural world. Everything that you see around you that is created was created by a spirit being. Amen? Now, the price our Heavenly Father paid for our redemption was the precious blood of Christ, His very own Son. Paul writes to the Colossians and he says, God has delivered us, past tense, from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.20 says, And He, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Now, peace with God and the peace of God we now experience in our hearts came at a very high price. It was purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask the question, how precious is the blood of Christ? Well, nothing else and nothing less than the blood of Christ could have redeemed us from the power of the devil and his cohorts and their authority they had over us. Through the sinless blood of Christ, God the Father restored us to fellowship with Himself and gave us back everything the devil stole from us. Everything. Not just some things, everything that was stolen, everything that was missing, everything that was broken was fully restored and given back to us in Christ Jesus. First of all, He restored our true identity. He restored our value. He restored our self-respect. He restored our future and our destiny. The Bible says we are made whole and complete in Christ with nothing missing and absolutely nothing broken. We need to believe that. Because any time you think you are incomplete, you're going to look for other substitutes to make you complete. You don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else to make you whole or complete. You are complete and whole in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, these are the good news of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is good news. That's what gospel means. These are the spiritual realities of our new birth, which the devil does his utmost to hide from us and to keep it from us knowing these realities. These are facts. These are truths. In fact, they're more real than natural and physical truths. This is what happened when you got born again. Now, you may be born again and yet unaware who you really are and what really happened to you when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that is where I come in. My task is to educate you of these very facts 
and help you understand your identity in Christ and ultimately walk in it being fully persuaded and convinced of these spiritual truths. Listen to what John says. 1 John 3 verse 1 and 2 says, Behold, behold means look, see, understand what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Don't look to the world to tell you who you are. They don't know you. That's why they mistreat you. That's why they don't honor you. That is why they persecute you, because they do not know who you are. So if you want to find out who you really are, don't look to the world. Don't look to people. The only place you're going to find your true identity is in the Word of God and in Christ Jesus. So, the Bible says, the manner that love has bestowed, the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of the living God. And therefore the world does not know us. But God knows us. Amen? And we should get to know ourselves as God knows us. John says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It doesn't say you're going to overcome them. You have already overcome them because you are in Christ Jesus. It's time we believe that. We're not the victims. We are the victors in Christ Jesus. We are world overcomers, demon overcomers. That's why Jesus said, in my name, cast out devils. Wherever you find him, cast him out. Why? Because we have authority over him in the name of Jesus. So the word says, we have overcome them. That is past tense. Who is them? That's the devil and his cohorts. This is who we are. We're not going to be. We already are world overcomers. We are devil overcomers in Christ. Just because of the one who lives within you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when you face the challenges of life, or the difficulties and the circumstances of life, don't look outside of you, look within you. Call the greater one within you to rise up within you, give illumination to your mind and direction to your spirit, and a plan how to how to resist and how to overcome the circumstances and the challenges of life. Because the greater one lives within you. You're not alone. You are never alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Wherever you are, He's there. He's there because you are there. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus said to the disciples, Behold, look, I give you the authority to do what? To trample on serpents 
and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now serpents and scorpions are the emblems of demons. He says, I'm giving you the authority to trample upon them and over all the power of the enemy, not just some power, over all of it and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Word of God says in Isaiah, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. That's the Word of God. That's the truth. Well, it may seem like it's prospering for a while, but you need to stand on the promise of God and believe that and declare that with faith and boldness because God is working on your behalf and on my behalf. Notice what Jesus said after He said these words. He said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, in what? That the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Wow! Notice what Jesus said to them. Do not rejoice in what you can do in my name, but rather rejoice in who you are. He says your name. Your names are written in heaven. What does that mean? That our names are written in heaven. Well, it simply means that you are known in heaven. It doesn't matter who really knows you here. Well, some people, worldly people, brag about the people they know or about the people they are known to, you know, and they brag about that. But you know what? I brag about my Heavenly Father. He knows me. The Creator of the universe knows my name. He knows me. And not only that, God the Son knows you. God the Holy Spirit knows you. All of the angels in heaven know who you are. They know you and they love you and they are rooting for you. Wow! Knowing all of these truths and all of these realities, we can face life and the challenges of life with confidence, with boldness, without fear, without intimidation, without inferiority complexes. Praise God! Not only does heaven know you, the Bible says that the devil in hell know you and is terrified of you. You remember what the devil, what these demons say to the sons of Sceva? They tried to cast them out. They were not believers. They were not born again. They were just using the name of Paul and the name of Jesus to cast them out. And the demons said to them, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? So you are known in hell as well, not just in heaven. And not only that, the devil knows you and is terrified of you. Now let me ask you a question. Don't you think it's time to get to know you and rejoice in who you are in Christ and what you have been given in Him? And so often we allow the trials and the challenges of life to obscure and hide these realities and these truths from our eyes. Because we pay too much attention to our pain, to our circumstances, to the words of people, to what they say, what they've done to us. And as we focus on those things, 
we take our eyes off of these realities and off of these truths and we forget the promises of God. That's why the Word of God says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Constantly keep your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? Keep your eyes on the Word. Keep your eyes and, and your mind on what God said, not what people say, not what the pain says, not what the circumstances say, not what your neighbor says, not what the people says, but what Jesus said about you. And that is the only way to be filled with the joy of the Lord. And so I believe that many of us in the church today are in the same place the Corinthians were in in regards to knowing and understanding ourselves. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3.16 the following, Do you not know? Don't you know? Don't you know who you are? What's the matter with you? Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of Almighty God dwells in you? Now, folks, the truth of the matter is this. This kind of ignorance concerning our identity in Christ is very deadly. We will never be able to walk in the power of the Spirit and be the kind of people that God expects us to be without knowing ourselves in the Spirit. The more we know who we are, the stronger we are. This kind of knowledge, the Bible says, empowers the believer to live in victory. Proverbs 24 verse 5, look at that verse. Proverbs 24 and verse 5 says, A wise man is strong, and yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Knowledge is strength. But not any kind of knowledge. The knowledge that comes from God, revelation knowledge, empowers the believer to live a life of victory, a life of blessing, and experience the blessing and the victory of the risen Christ. That's why the pursuit of self-knowledge is vitally important for a believer. You need to know who you really are and not just know yourself after the flesh or what people think about you. You know, there's so much bullying going around today, especially with technology today, that causes so much hurt and pain and even suicides because people believe this kind of lies that the, that the arch bully tells them. Amen. That's why you need to know who you are and not be influenced by what anybody else says about you. God thinks the world of you. The Bible says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out of darkness into His marvelous light. You're not nobody. You are somebody all by yourself in Christ Jesus. Folks, we are so much more than just flesh and blood with bones. We are spirit beings, and we are created in the image and likeness of God. We are capable of so much more than what we think or even believe. Jesus, 
at one time rebuked the sons of Zebedee, James and John, because they did not know what spirit they were of. They wanted to call down fire from heaven and burn the people who did not receive them. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So it's important to know what spirit we are of, what we are made of. If you don't know what you're made of, how can you walk in it? Because identity determines behavior. Someone once said, and I like this phrase, he says, If you believe you are a dog, no one can stop you from barking. Amen. Identity determines behavior. If you want to, if you want to work on your behavior, don't start on your behavior. Start on your identity. Start believing who you really are. Now, I'm convinced by the evidence I see in the church today that we have not given the new birth the attention, the value, or the importance we should have given it. We have underestimated the miracle of the new birth by not emphasizing its value or importance in the life of the believer. So we need to approach this new truth with a new set of eyes. A whole new way of understanding ourselves in Christ Jesus. And even though we are thoroughly born again, most of us continue to know and refer to ourselves according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit. Very often the image we have of ourselves within us is often one of failure, a sinner, one of being defeated, one of not being worthy, and full of worldly thoughts. Now that is why I believe we struggle to believe God and we struggle to receive the very best from God because deep down in our hearts we don't believe that we are worthy of His blessings. That's why something has to change on the inside of you. When that changes, when that image changes, you begin to attract the blessing of the Lord. You don't have to run after it. It will come and find you because you within has changed that image of failure and defeat and victimized failure and changed it to one of, uh, one of being a victor, one of being a child of God, one of being washed, one of being blessed by God because of Christ. Not because of what you've done or I have done, but because of what He has done on the cross through His precious blood. And I'm convinced that this is a hindrance to our faith. You know, how can you come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help if you believe deep down in your heart that you are unworthy of God's blessings. That you don't deserve to be blessed because you're just such a rotten sinner. Well, listen to what Paul says. Paul affirms this new identity of the believer when he writes to the Corinthians and he says to them, I want you to find these verses of Scripture in your own Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through to 11. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through to 11. Paul affirms this new identity in Christ 
And he begins in verse 9 by saying to them, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, covetous or drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to what he says in the last verse. And such were some of you. But, thank God for that but, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You are no longer those people. God washed you through the blood of Christ, sanctified you through the Spirit of God. You are no longer those kind of people that you were. You're not a sinner anymore. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. You see here, Paul emphasizes and he affirms who they are now and not who they were. We've got to know ourselves after the Spirit. Who we are now, born of the Spirit, having the life and the nature of God in our spirit, new creations, children of the living God, empowered by the Spirit of God. And he emphasizes that identity. You were washed, he says. You were sanctified. You were justified when you received Christ. That is why Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Not timidly, not crawling, not begging. Some of us are not praying, they're begging. You've got to come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because you know who you are in Christ. When you stand before God, He sees you through the blood. He sees you as cleansed, washed, righteous, and justified, just as you had never sinned. We need to believe that. We need to receive a revelation of this blessed truth. Come boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. And as I said, how can one come boldly to the throne of grace when they are overwhelmed with feelings of guilt and shame? So many Christians struggle today with feelings of guilt, feelings of shame, because of the past, because of what they've done, because of the life they lived. You've you got to renew that image or you will never be able to grow and develop in your Christian walk. The image of failure, the image of unworthiness, the image of guilt and shame must be torn down and replaced with the image of our true identity in Christ before we can make any progress in our spiritual growth and development. And we must come to know ourselves, really know ourselves, as God knows us, and that is through the blood of Christ. We must think of ourselves, not in a manner of being puffed up and proud, but in humility of what Christ has done for us. We must think of ourselves and believe what God says about us. Why? Because Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are who you think in your heart you are. The word repents means change your mind. Now if you can change your thoughts, 
I believe you can change your life. And that's why we have so many issues in the soul realm. The soul needs to be restored, needs to receive healthy thoughts. The thoughts of God need to be our thoughts. The thoughts of man, the thoughts of the world need to be replaced with the, with the thoughts of God. The restoration of our soul begins by changing our thoughts and replacing them with God's thoughts. You see, what happened is sin and rebellion has distorted our image, distorted our thoughts and our attitude towards God and our fellow man. That's why just before the prodigal son returned to his father, Scripture says he came to himself. Where was he before? He was beside himself. He had a change of heart and a change of mind. He remembered who he really was. He remembered that he was the son of a loving father. And in his heart and mind, he came back to himself and he came back to being the son he really was. And that's what the devil does. The thoughts that he gives us, the feelings sometimes, and emotions that he communicates to us, take us beside ourselves. We forget who we are. And we need to know how to resist him. Now, <clears throat> the prodigal son was awakened to his true self and nature. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, said, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. Now, he says, Awake to righteousness. Wake up to who you really are. When you do, you're going to stop sinning. We must also wake up to who we really are in Christ. And when we do, we will no longer walk in rebellion against God. We will no longer complain about our lot, no longer complain about our circumstances, and, and no longer allow our circumstances and our feelings dictate our actions. No longer allow others and their opinion or their words to oppress or depress us because we have awakened to our true identity in Christ Jesus. You see, because identity, as I said, determines behavior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him, that is, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. God recreated us in Christ and made us new creations. He made us righteous in His sight and forgave all our transgressions. The precious blood of Christ has made all the difference in our lives. That is why it is precious, His blood. And I wish more of us teach and preach about the blood of Christ. Folks, we are living in a new day and a new dispensation. We are given a brand new life with a brand new future, filled with the blessing and the presence of God. When Jesus appeared on the scene, the Bible says that he came with one message and his message was this the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand 
repent and believe the gospel. The word repent means that we are to change our way of thinking and believe the good news concerning our redemption in Christ. We need to believe with our hearts in the power of the blood and what the blood has done for you. Believe in who God says you are and what God says you have. We need to stand up and reject the thoughts of fear, the thoughts of guilt, the thoughts of being unworthy, the thoughts of being rejected and forsaken. That is all lies that come from the pit of hell. They don't come from God. They don't come from heaven. Because only good things come from above, James says. Stand your ground in faith by believing in the goodness of the Lord and declare with your mouth what the Lord has done for you. I'm showing you now how to resist these evil thoughts, these unwholesome thoughts, these thoughts that depress you, oppress you, that, that make you want to give up, that you are fed up in life. You need to stand up and begin to reject them and stand your ground believing the word of the Lord, believing in the goodness of God and declare with your mouth, what the Lord has done for you. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That is how we defeat temptation. That's how we overcome tests and trials. And that's how we learn to reject the devil's lies. How? By speaking the words of life. Not just thinking them, but speaking them. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that will affirm what I'm sharing with you. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they, that is us, overcame him, that's the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love the lives to the death. Underline this verse of Scripture because that's how you overcome Him. And they overcame Him. They is us. Him is the devil. How did we overcome Him? By the blood of the Lamb, by what Christ has done, and by the word of our testimony. And they did not love the lives to the death. Now let me say this in concluding this message today. If the blood of Christ is to work on our behalf, we must add to it the word of our testimony or the word of our faith. We must be bold enough to testify and to declare what the blood has done for us. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? I am redeemed from the curse of the law, for it is written. Where is it written? Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Based on this promise, I decree and declare that I am redeemed from the curse. I'm not the cursed, I'm the blessed. 
I need to say it. I need to declare it. I need to believe it before it works for me. One more declaration. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. For it is written. How did the Lord resist the enemy's temptations? He always referred to the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. That's how you and I will overcome him. It is written. I'm a new creation. I'm not a failure. God didn't create failures. I'm a new creation born of God's Spirit. I'm a child of God. I am loved. I'm accepted in the Beloved. I am blessed. I'm protected. I'm provided for. That's who I am because I'm a child of God. Not because of what I've done or how good I am or how many times I go to church. No, because I'm in Christ Jesus. Thank God for Christ and thank God for His blood. I'm a new creation because it is written to Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And as a new creation, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. For it is written. Where is it written? To Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Folks, we need to learn how to use the sword of the Spirit and not just bow your head and take all this nonsense from the evil one. You are more than just flesh and bone. You are a spirit being. You are empowered with the, with the knowledge, with the grace, with the spirit, with the presence of God. And you've been given all that you will ever need to live a life that is pleasing to God. A fruitful life. A blessed life that glorifies the name of our Heavenly Father. And James says we must be doers of the word, not hearers only. We must look into the word of God and continue in it. And not be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. In other words, when you look into the mirror, you pay attention. Let me ask you a question. Does any one of you know how long your nose is, how many inches is? The reason why you do not know is because you haven't measured it. You haven't paid enough attention. You look, you know what you physically look like. But you don't know the details. You don't know how long your nose is, do you? Well, what James says here is we must look into the law of God's Word and not forget, pay attention to what he says. And when you go out there and the challenges of life come against you and the tests and the trials, don't forget who you are. Stand up and declare the Word of the Lord. That's how you overcome that's how you live a life that is pleasing to God, knowing how to use the weapons that God has given you and grow and mature in the Lord and bring others to Christ. And that is the life that is pleasing the Lord. Amen? Your restored identity. Know yourself. Know who you are in Christ. Know what's been given to you. And know how to use the Word of God when the enemy comes to oppress you, to depress you, and to challenge your identity. 
One thing it challenges is your identity. That's why the first temptation, when he came to the Lord Jesus in the desert, what was the first question he said to him? What was the first temptation? If you are the Son of God. If. Jesus knew who he was. And that's why he overcame him by the written word of God. He will question your identity. He will question your worth. He will question your value. He will question your self-worth and self-respect. Well, you need to arm yourself with these verses that I've given you today and stand up and declare who you are in Christ, what you have in Him, and what you can do in Christ. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray over the word before we open it up for any comments or questions or prayer requests. Father, we want to say thank you for your precious word. It is written in Psalm 107 that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destruction. Not only do you heal us physically, but you also restore and heal us emotionally. And so many of us struggle in our emotions, in our soul area, struggle in our, in our thoughts, in our minds, because we have allowed the enemy to put thoughts there that are not of you, Father. And this is my prayer today that your people, the people within the sound of my voice today, will hear your voice, will stand up, will be bold enough to take the word of God and begin to resist the devil until he flees from them. Father, teach our hands to war, as the psalmist said, and our fingers to fight. You have made us overcomers. You have seated us above all principality and power and dominion and every name that is named. Your word says we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I pray that these realities, these truths, be made life and light to your people, Father, so that we can go on from here onto maturity, become men and women of God who are strong because the Word of God abides in us and have overcome the wicked one. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, Come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.